Well, come on now. Comedy film nerds at 454. We're here. We're ready to go. We're a quarter of the way to Ep 1816. We'll get there. I we can't will. wait. 1816th, yeah. that, that's yeah. going to be amazing. We have a lot of movies to talk about, too. We do. We're going to be talking about Cold Pursuit, um, Remaster, The Two Killings of Sam Cooke. Um, and we're going to revisit uh, Green Book and Vice. Oh, and, uh, looks like we're getting into some oscar business. We are, and I kind of like the... Uh, the fact that we, like, as we see all these Oscar movies, we kind of uh, re-talk about them a little bit and go a little more in depth, because then that kind of leads us up to the big Doug Benson episode yes. next week, when we go over all the nominees, including the ones that will no longer be televised. The, uh, yeah. the, the, uh, the, you know, the Oscars just came out and said that uh, they're eliminating televising some of the awards now. And uh, they're the ones that... Uh, Have no celebrities? See, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're the ones that um, are important to people who actually watch film. But uh, they're, it's, yeah, it's cinematography, editing, oh. and live short film will uh, no longer be. Yeah, you can you can. Okay, uh, well, I'm going to take issue with that. <laughs> yes. That's not what they said they'd do. Mm-hmm. What they said they'd do is they were going to record them during the commercials, mm-hmm. edit them down, and then show them during the live broadcast. Only the acceptance speeches. As edited. No, even the nominations, just a, a, a but but uh, edited down. And I thought, you know, cinematography, editing are amongst the most boring acceptance speeches anyway. But I think they should do it with the whole show. <laughs> I think, honestly, they take the whole entire show, all that walking time from the audience to the thing, all the fumfering at the microphone, I'm gonna, I don't know, I didn't expect this, cut it all out. And just do, just show like the Lady Gaga singing a song and then five minutes of people saying thank you to their moms and that's it. You know, our guest has a point. Let's see a completely edited version of the show. Well, two things. One, introduce our guest to let everyone know. And two, in 454 episodes, the first time we've ever heard fumfering. Yes. On the show, and I applaud you, sir, for Thank bringing you. fumfering into the yes. studio. I think it will be now a trending hashtag. Yeah, fumfering. I'm going to do hashtag fumfering right now. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, a first-time guest, uh, someone I've known for a very, very long time, uh, um, a former comedian, improv actor, um, showrunner, writer, director, and producer. Ladies and gentlemen, Jay Cogan. An anti-fumferist. An anti-fumferist. <laughs> no, I mean, you're going to put on a show, put on a show. That's how I feel. And uh, the Oscars has been routinely boring. I mean, don't we? I don't know if you do. I DVR the Oscars, uh-huh. and then I zip through it. Like, I do my own editing. Oh, oh, no, we live tweet. We live tweet it and watch. You poor poor bastard. And by the end, we're exhausted. We're exhausted (laughs) because all we're doing, well, I mean, the from frame gives us time to write jokes while. (laughs) Have a snack. Have a snack. I don't know if you saw the Grammys, but the worst speeches of all time were on the Grammys. Like, great, great Grammy show. Fabulous Mm. music number after music number. And Mm. then every now and then they had to give out an award. And somebody would come to the microphone and say, I I, I don't know, um, I don't know. And then music would start to play and they wouldn't get to say whatever they were going to say and it was Mm -hmm. done. Mm-hmm. The awards are the worst parts. Maybe there's uh, there's like an unwritten rule at the Grammys because uh, you know you're a musician. You have to be cool. You have to make sure you have no prepared speeches before you yeah. show up. Yeah. What category what, last year was the guy who proposed to his girlfriend in the Grammys? No, in the in the Oscars. Didn't a guy win an Oscar? Or was it the Emmys? Who then brought his fiance? That up was the and, Emmys, I think. Oh, the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Okay, that was worthwhile. <laughs> See, I'm saying, yeah. if you do something like that, you're making it worthwhile. You yeah. have to do something worthwhile. If you win a damn award, do something worthwhile. Tell a joke, right. be funny, be entertaining. Right. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating. Or, giving yeah. so, or give some heartfelt speech or something mm-hmm. that... that Raise give, awareness on something. Raise awareness, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Or like a couple of years ago when the Oscars brought the regular folks in and... 
Who's your favorite actor? That man right there. And she points at Denzel. I'm like, that was it. I watched. That was fun. I was fun. Yeah. I'll watch that. It was a good bit. But, all right. Ready to get into it, Dan? I am ready to get into it. Mm-hmm. We got a lot to discuss today. Yeah. Uh, we're going to start with Cold Pursuit with Liam Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we're going to do a spoiler up on this. Yes. Um, because the... There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, this is a, a remake of an original, which is Order of Disappearance. It came out in 2014. It is now streaming on Netflix. And I want to watch that because I bet you that is interesting, like the first part of this movie. Right. Because <laughs> the second half... God, does it get stupid? Well, what's and interesting? I, this, I gave this so much slack. I know. I was I like, know. it's taken on ice. Yeah, taken on a snowplow. Taken on a snowplow. Mm-hmm. Fine. I I was expecting, and the thing was, they tricked me because I was expecting, as we joked about, the first couple of minutes would have some. What's an ex Navy SEAL driving a snowplow? Right. You know, like to be some. <laughs> you know, there was some like, all right, mm-hmm. that explains right. it. No, it is literally just a regular guy right. who gets who goes nuts when his son gets killed. Right. Now, what's interesting, and this rarely happens, the director, Hans Peter Moland, actually directed the original and this remake. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I don't think, I don't know if it was a, some cultural differences that, that kind of made this movie go off the rails a little bit, but it was, uh, it's very unusual to have um, a director kind of do both. How but, thrilled, though, would Hans Peter Moland, who directed sort of this small movie, be... To have Liam Neeson now star in his next movie, and how upset must he have been when he heard Liam Neeson's press conference just before the premiere? Yeah. <laughs> he said, "I'm going to try and attack. I've I've spent some time attacking black people." Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And uh, I I wanted to hear the air go out of the room of every PR person and studio executive that was in that press conference uh, because but, it's like I don't I don't. This wasn't on the press. This wasn't supposed to be talked about in this press. And he tried so hard to to explain. No, no, you don't know what I meant. I mean, I had a friend who was attacked, so I went around the streets with a club in my hand looking for somebody to attack. You know. Yes. Like people do. We've all done this. (laughs) Yeah, I mean. What uh, are you talking about? uh, It was was the best clarification ever. Yeah. It's like, I said something horrible, but let me explain. Uh, What I really said was, oh, no, you just said the exact same thing. The Virginia governor (laughs) gave him a little lesson on how to fix it. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's amazing. Like, um, a- and uh, at some point, there had to be handlers going, look, maybe you should stop talking now. Maybe you're, I don't think you're helping at this point. Well, I think and, this might have been his last movie. As yeah. a result of the fact that the movie's not good and mm-hmm. he said those horrible things. Well, and also, too, it's like, it's such a weird place to reveal that. Like, you know, maybe. Um, Set up some time at the Museum of Tolerance. Maybe go in for an interview. And uh, but yeah, you know it, when you're it, pro- when you're promoting some uh, snowplow movie, really is that the best it'd be time? One thing if he was like, <laughs> "Look, I got to this really dark place. Yeah, and this is where I understood when I got. I understood where hatred comes from, and ultimately, I was like, "Well, this is awful, and this breeds this type of hatred. This is why mm-hmm. anyone of any ethnicity who." wants to strike out again you could have he could have used it as this like a teachable moment a teachable moment of like mm-hmm. hey let's have a big discussion about racism right. and 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 from anyone you know like those 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 guys that a couple years ago that shot those cops mm-hmm. they were black men and they were and and like they they're they were angry they were ex-military they did this in dallas and it could have been like hey if we just let hatred take over it's going to really undo society violence begets violence Violence begets violence and i'm giving you a human example of somebody right Mm -hmm. anyone anyone could probably identify with that right 
Because it was a human, it was an emotional And it was response. an emotional thing. A woman that was sexually assaulted by a man could feel mm. like, I want to go kill all men. And right. a man was assaulted by a woman. Anyone could come up with that. And I feel like we got the first half of the... <laughs> yeah. Actually, in, in both the worst ways. place. Yeah, so we all, we got the first half of the film and the first half of his confession. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So everybody stopped at Act Two. I'm, so. I'm, I'm feeling that there's no nothing that Liam Neeson could have said that was going to engender peace in this world. I'm not sure. <laughs> as, as high uh, as optimistic as you are, Graham, about all that, I don't think it's going to happen with him. No, 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 because he so. didn't. He he hasn't come. To, it's not like he is at that place. Well, it's interesting because, you know, whenever somebody says something crazy like that, you're like, okay, well, when's the next press conference when he says I misspoke and apologizes and, you know, realizes what he said? We never got that second one. He just kind of reiterated what he said the first time. Yeah, see, I, yeah. I kind of like when and then you're like, so is he still going around at night with the bat? Yeah, no, yeah, no. It was yeah. a bad week. He said it was, yeah, bad, week. Yeah. It was bad week. He's okay now. He's okay. Yeah. Um, so anyway, let's talk about the movie now. Uh this movie, it was the trailer and the way it was kind of set up is basically was like a, a comedic taken. It was really like, uh, okay, guy gets pushed too far, but he's a regular guy. And now we have all these extra jokes that we can put in. Like he doesn't know how to strangle somebody. So he's strangling somebody. And this is in the trailer. And you know, the guy gets back up because he didn't completely strangle him. And he's, he's gasping for breath. So he has to kill him again. But it's never explained how he kind of goes from snowplow driver to... Um, cold-blooded killer it just kind of happens in one scene like it doesn't we don't really get that progression at all um and then the movie like basically i was expecting more of a kind of like a um almost like a satire or parody of these movies with liam neeson in it uh but we didn't get that we got basically a taken movie with some jokes in it is really kind of what happened and the the sense of humor initially i was like okay they're showing a little sense of humor Mm -hmm. someone would die and then there'd be that graphic would come up on stage. Right. And I was like, okay. Mm. But then it just goes off. It turns into this wacky mass murder yeah, romp. Like a, uh, um, you know, uh, um, I don't know, a murder com? <laughs> you call it? I'm not sure what what you would call it. But it was weird. Like, uh, like there were some funny moments at the beginning. I'm thinking, oh, this will be kind of a fun movie. Like uh, you have the drug dealer who's bringing his son to school. And uh, he's a vegan. So when one of the thugs puts like, you know, a sweet in the uh, in his lunch, he throws it out the window and he turns to his son and go, I want you to know something. I had no hand in this. Like like uh, moments like that are really funny. Like uh, uh, but then like they're few and far between and they don't go anywhere. And the and casting then- of some of those. They could have cast the bad guy. I, I just thought the lead bad guy. Man, he was so over the top, and some of it might not be his fault because it was right. a script issue. But mm. also, what was resonating for me initially before the movie goes off the rails is I was like, well, this feels like they're trying to at least root it in some type of believability. Like, right. could any of us. And winking to us saying that, you know, this is, yeah, we know what these movies are like, but haha, we know you know. Right. We know you know. Mm-hmm. And. Sort of, we've all had... But halfway through, we're going to forget that you know. We're going to forget that you know, and then make it way too over the top. Like, right. It was sort of initially like like the relationship between him and um, his wife. I'm right. I'm forgetting the actress's name, who's a really... Laura Dern. Laura Dern. I love who's her. Who's in what, two scenes? Yeah. Yeah, and then she disappears. Well, when their son dies, you know, they're... Which 
is believable that a married couple would there'd be some blame of each other or whatever if that mm -hmm. happened you're like oh man and she plays that really sincerely and earnestly like this is what a married couple would go through mm -hmm. and you know i've heard of there's this there's this famous story this regular guy whose whose daughter was like raped and killed and then he kills the he kills the guy he ended up going to prison but like that that thread of of sincerity and believability keeps you in initially at least kept kept me in initially of like wow anyone could if somebody did this to somebody i cared about wow could i do that that's always an interesting thing like regular person goes nuts and you ask yourself well he's not a regular person he's a snowplow driver so that yeah. stops that. I mean, <laughs> those guys are all like <laughs> loose at 20 minutes away from being murderers anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're all like, yeah. And so so I I I came into this film solo expectations. Just mm -hmm. Liam go, you know, take out the trash. They crossed the wrong guy. Mm -hmm. Fine. But then it just got so ridiculous and so unbelievable and and then the they the, the, they didn't know the tone. No. My guess is since it's the same director, um, this happens. We've seen this happen where a, a, a director directs the, the foreign version, maybe in whatever, that's their native culture or whatever, mm -hmm. where it makes sense. And then Hollywood gets a hold of it and says, well, we got to blah, blah, blah. And so yeah. they're like, all right, I guess this is what Americans want is ridiculous clown like <laughs> yeah yeah like over the top yeah type, way uh, over the top humor and, and it was um yeah it didn't really know where it wanted to go at some point but like if it was all over the top like if it was like a robocop kind of thing sure then you could say okay that makes sense i i get it from start to finish but it just it went like up and down weird tone and and then there were like whole segments where like Liam Neeson isn't even in the movie. Like uh, and we're like, well, you know, if you have Liam Neeson star in the movie and he's on the poster, maybe you should have him in the movie more. Like there's like it's a lot of like rival gang stuff and like what other secondary characters that you don't care about are doing. And then like then Liam Neeson shows up like uh, you know three or four scenes later. I'm like, oh, that's right, he's in this movie. So well, it had some I, weird. It the, made some weird choices. And again, the initial rival gang stuff, I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Cool. Now so we're getting started. Here we go. Yeah. And, and and Canadian drug lords versus um you know indigenous drug lords, Native American, Native American, American drug, drug lords. lords. All yeah. right. <laughs> Interesting. Let's mm -hmm. see. And is he gonna like at a ski resort? At a ski <laughs> resort. Okay. And then the the two cops, the young mm. cop that wants to solve all the crimes, the old guy that doesn't care. He oh, I completely forgot about those characters. Again, extraneous, extraneous characters, characters that, that have, each have four scenes each. That's the sort of European flair. Yeah. It's all those extraneous <laughs> characters. <laughs> Suddenly you like the European flair, but now you don't. I don't, yeah. get, I don't get you. Yeah. <laughs> That's, I get the movie. I don't get you guys. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. We should have understood all of this extraneous exactly. nonsense. Yes. We should be looking at through a Euro-American sensibility lens. I guess, I guess Preston Sturges is an idiot, too. Yeah. <laughs> right. I get it. I get it, guys. Yeah. Well, he's not perfect. Uh, so... <laughs> Um, All right, we'll so talk, we'll more talk about, about it more this, in the spoiler. This, this, I can't even. And uh, so let's talk about uh, Remastered, the uh, the two killings of Sam Cooke. Now, you saw this. This is a streaming movie. This is a streaming doc. And now, I don't actually know that much about Sam Cooke. So. Neither did I. Mm -hmm. And this is why this movie does a really excellent job. Mm -hmm. If you were to ask me a minute before I started watching this movie what I knew about Sam Cooke, I'd go, oh, I like his music. I wouldn't have known if he was alive or dead. 
Really? I, I would have just been like, oh yeah, I like his, I don't know, I, maybe he's, I guess he's not alive because he hasn't done anything right. recently, would just right. be by sort of logical. <laughs> right, since he was shot in the early 1960s. <laughs> <laughs> since then. Since then, yeah. he hasn't released a song. Sure, yeah. I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> but I literally had no idea. Mm-hmm. And so... Doesn't Pepsi have a hologram of him somewhere? Probably, <laughs> right? Didn't he perform at the Super Bowl? Yeah. I don't know. And so they go into it, and man, what it, it does that thing that, that a good documentary does, and this is the thing Netflix, I think, has been doing so well as their documentary series, is Ben, they, they're getting really good documentarians to find really interesting subject matter. And again, they did a nice mix of present day interviews with people that knew him back then and archival photos and footage and stuff like that, which is great. You know, the old like black and white TV shows where he's, I mean, that's, that's really plays well, I think um, in terms of telling the story to the nice, you know, 4k interview footage. Um, And it's, I I didn't know. I mean, the guy, you know, started as a gospel singer Mm -hmm. And in the gospel world, it was like, if you do the rock and roll, that's the devil's music, mm-hmm. you're shunned. And he had to really kind of, he was nervous about doing that because he had a nice gospel career. I didn't know they had a really good huge. gospel yeah, career. He was a huge gospel singer. And I have some of his gospel records. They're great. Like his voice is great. Mm-hmm. Silky smooth and wonderful. And then he started doing pop records. And yes, that when you cross over, uh, you are deemed unworthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The gospel community yes. says, you're out. Yeah, forget it. And- so that, and then his sort of transformation into, you know, he meets Muhammad Ali, right when Muhammad, well, well, well when Ali is Cassius Clay and then starts, and then be, joins the Nation of Islam and changes his name from Clay to, to, to Muhammad Ali. And Sam Cooke's like, oh, wow. And he meets Malcolm X and starts realizing, wait a minute, you know, this isn't right. Can, at the same time, in a parallel, you know, while he's expanding his worldview and everything, he also expands his view in terms of business and says, why do the record labels own all of our music? Starts his own label where it's like, no, the artists own it. Mm-hmm. And you know, the record business, I don't know if it's still true today, but back then a lot of mobsters ran it, a lot of- Oh, the record business is on the up and up, believe me. They're so honest. <laughs> yes, there's, there's, there's nothing but a clean, clean money in the record business. <laughs> <laughs> <where you> go. <laughs> so, and you're seeing, and back then it's like, Payola, I mean, all of that, and mm. and yeah, back then, back then. <laughs> today, it's no, again, you know, <laughs> clean, clean, clean. Big corporations never do anything right. nefarious for profits, right. especially now. No. Thank God, there's a corporate mm-hmm. takeover of our society. As long as there's a corporate accountant, you have nothing to worry. No, about. Yeah. They've <laughs> never exploited anybody. Not today. No. Only back then. But in the documentary, do they make the case that he was uh, murdered because of this? They raise that question. They really go, wait a minute, you know, and they they go into that and they interview people that were around the time and they're like, this woman, you know, he just hung out with and uh, she was a prostitute and she was working for this guy, this woman at this hotel where they, you know, they've rolled johns they you know what i mean she'll bring and go back to a guy's hotel room and then throw his wallet out the you know what i mean like that and and so it was like "Mm." and wasn't investigated by the cops because the the police in lapd at the time very racist and just like ah these are just you know black people committing crimes there's nothing real here and and just 
And they they raised that question of like, why wasn't this investigated more? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, there was some business dealings, you know, that rubbed some people the wrong way. You know, like there's a lot of like, wait a minute type of questions. And great interviews like with, uh, you know, Jim Brown, uh, who was part of that. And, you know, Jim Brown said, Sam Cooke realized, you know, he could have, and even when he became a pop star, he was making pop music and then he wanted to start make talking, doing songs that were like, change is going to come as his song. That's a mm-hmm. civil rights song. Yep. And then the pop record people were like, easy on the civil rights, just, just be a pop singer. Mm-hmm. Don't make waves. And which still happens today. Anybody, they, anyone, comedians, actors today, if you bring up the wrong stuff, they're like, nope. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's now, now America is doing that. Right. Instead of, yes. the, <laughs> instead of the censors or the people, America itself is saying, we well, don't want to hear anything we don't want to hear. Twitter's become a gatekeeper. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, look at it. Look at, look at Twitter and, and, and Facebook are deeming who gets, to ha- who gets to have First Amendment rights and who doesn't. Right. And if you call out, the you know corporate war machine of the American Empire. Uh uh-uh. uh you can pick a side. You can be I'm, you know, a, a Republican or Democrat, and you can be argumentative that way. But if you call out the actual people that are really running things, uh uh-uh. uh. So it was just a, a micro version of that, and he had to make a choice. I want to be more socially aware. And Jim Brown goes, he goes, he was doing the thing that a lot that I was doing too. He's like scoring touchdowns or hit records wasn't enough for me. I wanted to get my, there was all these things. Cause he, he did the Chitlin circuit, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to talk about green book in a little bit, but he had mm-hmm. to do that. Like couldn't stay, had to stay at, you know, couldn't stay in the whites only hotels. He probably the used the green book. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I mean, he did. And, and, and he was in the South as a young artist going, wait a minute, this ain't right. Mm-hmm. And then he started, you see it in the Ray Charles uh, movie too. Yes. With the- yeah, where he he said I'm not performing in Georgia, and right. he was banned from Georgia, mm-hmm. and 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 they finally in the 90s <laughs> like mm-hmm. recognized him the yeah. state of Georgia, and so a lot of those artists and were were really like waking up to this fact, and so was he, and so it's a really fascinating documentary. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're a fan of Sam Cooke, I think you really like it. If you're like me, who you're just like, oh, I know a handful of his songs. They were nice, but I didn't know much else about the guy. Man, mm-hmm. it's a great doc. Did oh, you come cool. away liking his music more? Absolutely. Yeah. Hmm. Absolutely. Like that song, Change is Gonna Come, I always figured it was a civil rights mm-hmm. era song, but right. you really, oh. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And they show in the interviews of people today, whatever, this was shot a couple years ago, but modern day friends and family members listening to that song again today, everyone's just like, oh man. Like they're all hit with the emotions of that song. Mm-hmm. You know, cause he, he wrote it like Medgar Evers and all that stuff had, had just happened, you know, that, that uh, and a lot of artists were doing this. Like John Coltrane did that song Alabama after that church was burnt down that killed those young uh, black girls in Alabama and he wrote that song. and everyone was like what we got to do something and so it's really it's really it does what a good doc does it mm-hmm. it it brings you into a world or a person and a place in history that you might not have known that much about and really right. expands the view of it and it makes me like Sam Cooke's music 
10 times more. Very cool. Well, this is actually a good segue to go into a Green Book. Okay. So now this movie uh, I had a chance to see. We talked about it a number of, of times. And it's interesting when I saw it, I kept thinking of like what you were saying before where you did a little research on the actual story between these two guys. And after I'd seen it. After you'd seen it. And uh, um, uh, how, you know, the relationship wasn't as Hollywooded up as it really was. But what, what's interesting, too, because uh, this is not a spoiler, but at the end, you know, they show cards with the real people and all those things. Like uh, you had said, too, that you had researched and that uh, – you know, they weren't great friends and he got fired because he was a racist and all those things. And then, you know, at the end of the movie, there's a card of like, you know, they've been friends until their deaths. So both of those things can't be true. <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. I don't know. But, but one of the executive producers or the writers is the son of the guy who was the driver in the, in the credits. Mm -hmm. So it's at least... I think there are two competing stories. One is from the white guy's perspective and one is right. from the black guy's perspective. Those perspectives are quite different. Yes. Uh, mm -hmm. And the, uh, and the, 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 the piano playing, uh, his family said, no, they were not friends. Mm -hmm. And, and they the never way, contacted us. Their family says they right. never contacted right. us. And it was not estranged from his brother. All right. the things that are complained, mm -hmm. like the hole in his heart that they make in the movie mm -hmm. about he's alone and he's estranged. The, the family of the uh, black pianist said, that's not, that's not true. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So there's a, and I, I also was on my card when it, the movie starts because often the ties based based on a true story. I'm like, okay, they're going to take some liberties, but when it starts inspired by a true story, you know that there's a lot of things that aren't uh, gelling uh, with reality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but I will say this, and I was watching this movie, and as I'm watching it, that was kind of in the back of my head, and I was thinking like. There's something off about the movie, but I'm still liking it. So I'm not sure what it was. And then I finally figured out at the end. And this is why. Um, the movie itself, narratively and story-wise, really felt like a contrived confection. It really felt that way where everything just kind of like, well, this is like the Hollywood version. If this were a fictional story, what this would look like. But the thing that won me over were the performances. I thought the performances of both uh, Viggo Mortensen and um, Marshall Ali. Ali, I thought they were so good and they were real. It transcended the um, the the Hollywood kind of white guilt. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> the, well, the I was going to say like yeah that and the um, flaws and the contrived writing of the actual script mm -hmm. and uh, but even the directing too. Like it was it was okay, but. Um, really the strength of that film was the two performances and, uh, and, mm -hmm. the, and uh, if they, because you could tell even if the, um, mechanisms and the, the kind of world around them felt a little contrived and Hollywood polished, both those actors were digging into something real for those performances and that's what elevated the movie, I think, to where it is. Like but if the, any other actors, it would have just felt actors. like, yeah, they're it would have felt like, nah, it would have been meh. <laughs> they're two great actors that mm -hmm. are... You know, they were given a script, they were cast in it, and they did their best job, and they did an amazing job. And, mm -hmm. and the the competing stories we talked about and the, the lack of research or whatever mm -hmm. and the sort of Hollywood, Hollywood has to give this version. Um, you know, it, it is a testament to how good their performances are because mm -hmm. if they were, if even one of them was not that good of an actor, it would have really... It would have hamstrung the movie. Well, and, yeah. and to be fair, if they did make a movie about a, a sort of white racist driver driving a black guy who got fired for being a racist, 
That's the end of the movie. There's no, yeah. <laughs> there's nothing more there. It'd I be mean, a ten minute short film. Sure, yeah. having having them bond and become friends and mm. lifelong friends. Well, that's mm. a much better movie. Sure, right. yeah. sure, sure. <laughs> it is. So, so that was the kind of thing. I think that um, knowing all that going in and the performances kind of made me forgive all of those um, um, issues and flaws of the actual storytelling because. The actors themselves dug into something real, so it made me uh, like the movie more. Yeah, we talk about this a lot every Oscar year. There's a lot of movies that come forward where they get Oscar buzz or even nominations in this case, where the strength of a couple of performances carries the flaws. It elevates it, yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and this is one of those films. It's also the subject matter. It's the moment. You know, racism is hot and high and yes. in everybody's mind, except Liam Neeson, apparently. Yeah. Um, and so well, he's thinking about it just sure. in the wrong way. <laughs> wrong way. So, I mean, that that's also a No, it's in his mind, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Uh, you know, I, th- I think it's 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 the where it is. And I think, while I agree with you, I think those, those performances are by far uh, – the quality of performances outweigh the quality of the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a subdued movie, you know, considering mm-hmm. a Farrelly brother right. directed mm-hmm. this movie. Yes. You know, this is which, something about Mary directing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it, it, it stayed uh, grounded mm-hmm. and stayed real-ish. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it's a little bit uh, uh, Miracle on 34th Street, but but a lot <laughs> yeah. of it is actually, you know, has, a, has mm-hmm. a verisimilitude that you can buy at the very least. Well, that's yes. a good point. I mean, like, mm-hmm. it, it is it is... So he directed these two highly skilled actors in this very subdued, uh, these very subdued performances with all of these nuances and character arcs. So just that as a directing job, hats off to the guy that's done wacky comedies his whole life. Right. You know, like I I give, I give him credit for that. Mm. I just, you know, we talk about this a lot. I just want Hollywood, you know, has to do this or whitewash or or just make it more hollywoody it's like hollywood polish yeah Yeah, you know in real life the death star did not blow up at the end of yeah (laughs) there's always a rewrite in space (laughs) so and the other movie was uh we're going to talk about a little bit was vice because i finally had a chance to get to see it now this was the kind of movie that um you talked about before i kind of had the same reaction you did in this movie um i think i appreciated it more than i liked it like uh i i kind of put this in the same category as w that oliver stone movie it really felt like that kind of thing where it's uh well all right we're putting great actors in wigs and makeup and then we're just having them recreate um press footage that we've already seen and hearing them say things that we've already heard and events that we're already all too familiar with like like there wasn't a ton of uh insight new information nuance um like analysis any of those things and i say that because specifically when adam mckay did the big short all of those things were in that movie Mm -hmm. like i got a nuanced uh, story i got um information that i didn't have before i got um insight that i didn't know and i've got great performances from actors from real life people that i didn't know existed or were there that were actually architects of all these things that happened so i i felt like this was um this didn't compel me as much as like big short did only because like you know i'm watching Chris, christian bale dressed as you know dick cheney gain weight for the performance and makeup but like like oh, i remember him saying that i remember that press release i'm like i I'm, i feel like i'm just watching like an a and e recreation so it you know it didn't it didn't really resonate with me as much what did you think of it Jay? uh i hated it i must say <laughs> for that very reason i mm-hmm. felt like yeah i don't 
I did not like Dick Cheney as a <laughs> vice president of the United States, nor did I like the president he served under. Um, that wasn't my cup of tea. But I completely agree that they have, if you're going to make a movie about Dick Cheney, who is a hated character by half of the country, you need to bring something more to it. You need to explain what what is his reason for being or what more didn't we know that we should have known about him or what other insight are you going to provide or what other piece of the story that makes it make sense or more evil or more insidious or darker or f- funnier or smarter or more human or humanized yeah. even anything anything yeah. there's nothing about it and i was so cuz that's upset. what w did too because he's i agree but yeah. uh, but that was less watchable w mm-hmm. was a more hodgepodge mess of a movie this right. was sort of narratively right. understood but was dull mm-hmm. in a way that i don't i'm adam mckay is a brilliant guy he's yeah. really smart mm-hmm. and he's very insightful and he makes really smart funny movies and he also makes interesting serious movies like you said uh, mm-hmm. uh, for the the big short uh, this was nothing this was a large exercise in just i'm gonna shit on i'm gonna i'm gonna crap on on dick cheney well you don't it's over for dick cheney mm-hmm. he had his day and there's no reason for it at this point you, you bring up a great point, which is, so the big short shows how the, how it, the system that allowed this to happen. Now it's showing this handful of people who discovered it and then they profited from betting against it. My one critique of the big short is they shouldn't have been looked at as heroes. They're just, right. fucking, <laughs> they're just a different type of parasite <laughs> within a broken system. But that's mm-hmm. the, the nuance and the insight that he did bring into big right. short to right. show all of us who don't understand finance and Wall Street and mortgages, mm-hmm. what system created this? And to me, it was like, what system allowed a guy like Dick Cheney and Bush to just come in and circumvent. Well, we're in a we're in a country that you has. You didn't really see that. In we the didn't movie. see that at no. all. I mean, like, there's no mention of like we, a president hasn't gone to hasn't gotten congressional approval for war since World War II. Like, Cheney and Bush, awful. Don't like them. But this has been happening for decades of corporations and the war machine and all this stuff. The stuff that uh, that Eisenhower warned us against. The military mm. industrial. He coined that term. So that was the thing, like at the end of Big Short, he did a good job that in a, in a comedic way, well, everyone got arrested and this reform and this will never happen mm-hmm. again. And then goes, what? Actually, yeah. no, none of that happened. And he played that card again in this movie at the yeah. middle. Yeah. So I'm like, well, no, we've already seen that that bit. Right. I'm, I'm not even <laughs> failing the joke. That I mean, mm-hmm. just the point of it. Exactly. The Big Short explained some things to me that I did not know. Right. Nothing about... Cheney told me anything I didn't know, except it kind of presupposes that at some point Dick Cheney had no particular point of view politically. Just he just randomly picked, I'll power. follow that guy, yeah. mm-hmm. and then he goes for it. But so I guess that's that shows how empty his soul is. So there's that that little be, bit, but mm-hmm. nothing but, more. But DC and American politics are littered with those guys. Mm-hmm. And show me that. Show me how you know these guys who have no ideology at all. Just go where and who's fueling it, you know, like no, no talk of the American war machine that allows this, the defense contractors that lobby the politicians. I mean, no, no, nothing. Oh, hold on. I own Raytheon, so I'm not going to say listen to you, bad mouth my company. Right. Exactly. Like, why is Boeing and Raytheon buying ad time on MSNBC and all this stuff? Why is there red light on your shirt? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) 
like sniper sniper yeah. <laughs> that's the thing i would have liked too out of vice mm -hmm. uh, you, you bring up great points where it was just like yeah christian bale's a good actor and there was a couple scenes in there where i was like oh it was a pile of haircuts it was a pile of haircuts <laughs> but there's a couple scenes in there where you go oh Adam McKay showing us what probably was said inside that room at that key moment that mm -hmm. we never got access to. That's right. one area of a historical drama where you, you're just sort of going, it probably was like this on a human level and there's some questions and stuff, but for the most part, it was like he could have really unpacked the corruption of our government the way he unpacked the corruption of our financial banking si system, banking yeah. system mm -hmm. and he didn't. Right. And you're right. He's a he's a really fun. He's a brilliant director. He does. He's really good at comedy. And Big Short was like, mm -hmm. wow. Yeah, and I'm and and I'm a little angry to talk about the machine. The machine that promotes movies like Vice to become a Academy Award nominated uh, movies because and we talked about the thread, the, uh, uh, the Phantom Thread. The Phantom Thread. Yeah. It's the same thing last year, yeah. which is like autopilot. No, you know, mm -hmm. just automatically, just because you like this director and he's smart, mm -hmm. does he does he get a pass every time? No. Vice didn't seem like it's an Academy Award level movie, and no. it shouldn't. Mm -mm. Not the first time, and a movie like that has been nominated. As we say every year, there's a bunch, <laughs> but it's like it's not right because I think it's the Emperor's New Clothes. It's sort of just yes. it's, he he did it. Must be good. Paul Thomas Anderson made it. It must be good. Must yeah. be good. Here's yeah. this uh, other director that's done good stuff. I said Here's the same a, thing about the favorite. I said yeah, the, the same thing with the favorite. Yeah, it's yeah. every year. There's that accents mm -hmm. and gown movie, mm -hmm. or there's a a good looking a lister puts on weight and looks ugly. Mm -hmm. Doing a historical thing, they must. This you must know, be great. Technically, he could also lose weight. The Machinist. Sure. So. <laughs> Did Charlize Theron get nominated for her uh, transformation? Or not Charlize Theron. Nicole Kidman for Destroy Destroyer. She did not. Oh, she she changed her look completely. Yeah. yeah. What about that makeup artist? We didn't yeah. know right. <laughs> was she? You know, and the one place I think she did get snubbed was uh, Boy Erased. She had a great supporting role in that, and uh, you know, and then the the two people from. You know, the favorite kind of took those two slots yeah. when they're actually the lead. So even if you did like the movie, they're still in the wrong category. Right. <laughs> All right. All right. That was uh, uh, some nice revisiting. We're going to just say it real quick before we get into it. So we could all agree a little bit of a of a down year for Oscar movies? For sure. For sure. You know, the more I see, the more I uh, I agree with that. Because yeah. there was a couple years mm -hmm. ago, like when like the year that Spotlight won, I remember like, man, there was Solid. Mm -hmm. 10 to 12 movies that you went, wow. These you know, are well, ironically, the I think the most solid picture category is animated features this year uh -huh. like it's like i looked at that list i'm like these are all good movies with the exception of the one i can't see it's the japanese one that is literally nowhere you can't find streaming can't buy it's it's like you know if if you have some art house movie in the middle of your city it might be playing once at 1 30 on a sunday mm. uh but other than that you will <laughs> never find it yeah yeah other than that you will never find it. Yeah. above a uh, vinyl so, record again, store you know um, you want um, you want more people to watch your awards show? Hey, how about let people see the movies before? That would also help as well. And select but, movies that not everyone has screeners, and uh, and even then screeners you don't get the animated movies a lot of times either. And how many people <laughs> want to watch the favorite? Yeah, <laughs> I saw it. I watched it. I watched the screener or the yeah. wife. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't watch that, no. but I will. I, 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 I tried to. Yeah. So. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be talking about Patreon for a moment. How about it? Um, I want to let you guys know we want uh, a lot 
uh, a lot of you to become uh, members. So we're going to be actually redoing our Patreon structure in the next uh, couple of weeks. We will keep you posted and informed. And if you have any suggestions for that, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at comedyfilmnerds.com. I'm also going to start a, uh, a message boards thread on uh, just the Patreon members to see uh, what you guys want, what you like, what you what you want to see changed. And we're, we're going to redo that. Yeah, maybe there's to, something... Uh, that we're missing, yeah. Yeah, maybe you guys like want. you know, if you guys did this, I'd mm. be willing to spend money to do that. You know, right. we're, we're we're cleaning up, we're taking away. We had too many tears, right? Um, and you know, we just whatever, whatever you guys like or get more access to, we're, we're gonna relaunch it. Yeah, <laughs> and we're uh, yeah, we're we've got some ideas. And we're gonna um, um, put everything into effect within the next couple of weeks, and uh, uh, we got rid of some tears. We might be changing some tears, and uh, um, we'll uh, we'll get get uh get you guys uh on board with the yeah. patreon but the one thing that's not going away graham is the uh patreon ad tier oh how about it yeah we have some great patreon sponsors and uh we're gonna go through them right now how about for fifty dollars you get your uh product mentioned every single it's episode the best marketing value mm-hmm. on the internet johnny Rulon's promoting his uh novel uh, other than making Green a Chick. sex video yes <laughs> Either one makes money. What, do, one. what does it matter? You promote your sex video on Patreon? Yeah. yeah. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So, so win-win. Yeah. Win. <laughs> yeah. Check out Jay's uh, sex video that he's... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a Junkie's Guide to Street Magic. And it's available on Amazon in both digital and hard copy. It's an experimental stream of consciousness novel, which follows the exploits of the muse Calliope and her mortal lover T.S. on a journey through time, dreams, and the hidden places of a supernatural America. The website is happyhorrorshowproductions.com. HappyHorrorShowProductions.com. And That's the ad- Johnny Rulon? Mm-hmm. Okay. That is Johnny Rulon. I interrupted it, so I want to yeah. say Johnny <laughs> Correct. And it's an Audacity Performing Arts Project. Produces after-school performing arts projects in poor, underfunded, and low-performing schools. Performing arts education is not a luxury. Please visit no. them at AudacityPerformingArts.com. AudacityPerformingArts.com. It's not a luxury. We need it. Yeah. And Chris Parker Howard, his uh, podcast, Coffee Over Suicide. It's about mental illness and choosing life uh, over death. One cup of coffee at a time. Get caught up on season one now before season two premieres uh, this month, wherever podcasts are found, and find out more at coffeeoversuicide.com. Now, to be fair, since that's a coffee podcast, mm-hmm. we now have someone that, Alice Frazier, that does a tea podcast. Yes. Just, we want to... You know, equal even, time. Equal time. Mm-hmm. It's the fairness doctrine, I, isn't it? It is. It is. As a tea drinker, mm-hmm. Chris is a coffee drinker, we want to be No, fun. I drink tea, too. Oh, good. Yeah. Fuck those coffee yeah. people. They're weirdos. But we do love coffee over suicide. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. <laughs> Alice Frazier, co-host of the Bugle podcast, host of Tea with Alice, brings you a series of three genre-bending solo stand-up shows that explore the boundary between comedy and tragedy. The recorded back-to-back is a three-hour show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with a binaural microphone, which creates an intensely immersive listening experience, so listen to it with headphones. AliceFrazier.com, that's AliceFrazier.com. And our uh, pal Rebecca Evans, the art podcast. When we move past hesitation, we're true to ourselves, we find our own art in life. You want to hear some fun stories and get inspired? Check out the art at facebook.com slash the art podcast. Art. And last but not least, La Calavera by Alan Ross. The story of a pirate radio operator who decides to get into the pirate cable TV business. Darren Loney, together with a group of misfits and the questionable guidance of a spiritual advisor in the form of Richard Nixon, gear up to take on the world's largest media conglomerate and its egomaniacal celebrity CEO. It's on Amazon, an ebook and hard copy. I want so, to thank Alan. You started it, right? Alan sent mm-hmm. us a copy. Thank you so mm-hmm. much. And I just started reading it. I'm about 20, 30 pages in, and it's mm-hmm. a cool read. I like it. Oh, great. I'll give you more updates as I get mm-hmm. through it. I read it every morning a little bit. Mm hmm. Right before I make myself green tea. Yes. And a smoothie? And a smoothie after I work out. Chris. Okay. I don't eat 
That'd be weird to go those two yeah. temperature extremes in, like, in each fist. Yeah, yeah. You know, hot and cold. I want to see which one's going to win. Ice cream and soup. <laughs> Who wants it? I read a few pages as part of my sex tape. Yes. So I read some pages, then I do the sex tape, yeah. and then back and forth. Check out Jake Hogan's uh, sex tape, everybody. Mm, That's the yeah. new Patreon level. Yep. Mm-hmm. The sex tape yeah. level. <laughs> Um, and uh, oh, we got some trailers. Oh, around. let's dial now, them up here. And, and this w- these we uh, we have to uh, talk about now. Aladdin. Granted, we only really need to see the end of it, but uh, we'll check out the new Aladdin trailer, live action with Will Smith. Uh, okay, so this is this follows the um, unnecessary trend of all Disney animated movies being made into live action remakes. Yeah, why? Why is that? You have this movie. It's made. Yeah. Why do we need a shot-by-shot shot remake? Trailer for the trailer. Mm-hmm. So already it sounds like the score is the same. Bring me the lamp. Your life begins now. Aladdin. It's kind of like a YouTube video, mm-hmm. like like a fan-made YouTube video. Computer animated anyway. What yeah, yeah. All right, more green screen. Great. Here we go. The money shot, sort of. You really don't know who I am. Genie, wishes, lamp, none of that ringing a bell. Oh my God. So it's pretty much just Will Smith Blue as the genie. Yeah, but I mean, again, with some Bollywood actors to break into the India market. Yeah. <laughs> These so-called live-action movies are not live-action movies. They're, again, CG animated For enhanced the, movies. Yes. That if you're Walt Disney Company, you've already sp- made that other movie and you're making it just re-release Aladdin. I know. Yeah. Spend, yeah. Save mm-hmm. yourself $200 million. Yeah. Wouldn't, you, wouldn't you? It worked with Lion King. That Lion King re-release right. made $100 million. And wouldn't you as somebody, and what one of the things that was so brilliant is like you saw Lion, you know, people who like have small children, oh, well, I'm going to show them this on the big screen now. I saw it 20 years ago. So let's mm-hmm. bring it. Wouldn't you do that? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. The thought, I guess the thought is, if you do an update, you are uh, protecting the property of the thing that you own, except the fact that it's public domain. That, that, <laughs> that Aladdin, a lot of these stories are completely public domain. Yes. You're not really mm-hmm. protecting the property. Mm-hmm. Also directed by Guy Ritchie. Wow. That's right, really? Yes. Oh, wow. I forgot about one, that. This new Pet Cemetery one that came out five days uh, Five days ago. ago, yeah, this is it. Now. It had a Sherlock Holmes feel to it, so. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. So now the great thing is we don't have to see the movie now because uh, this trailer literally goes through the entire thing. L.A. discovered a charming little landmark. So the girl discovers the pet cemetery. The pet cemetery. Okay, first 20 minutes of the film. Place to bury our pets and remember them. Might seem scary, but it's not. Perfectly natural. Just like dying is natural. The whole town's been using this place for generations. Folks make a kind of ritual out of it. Nice creepy setup. It's not some campfire story. Saw these in the trees up there. They're warnings. The local tribes carved them before they fled. Set up ancient Indian burial ground. On it. Mm -hmm. There's something up there. Yeah, something evil. 
something that dates way back. Something no one should go to in the middle right. of the night. Those woods belong With to fog. something else. Something. Okay. That cat was dead. That brings things back. Church. Now the trailer should end here. But okay, the I cat came back. Of doing. He lost his son or daughter. But they don't yeah. come back. Daughter dies. Now it's gonna bring her back. Daddy. We're at least an hour, an hour and a half into What's the film now. <laughs> Hug your daughter. I should never have shown you that place. Yeah, your child is not the only thing that will come back. The barrier is broken. Okay, now we're going to show you the rest of the We have a second chance. Yeah, there's Sometimes a lot of creepy stuff in here that would have been great to be surprised by when you're in the theater. <laughs> oh, wow. So John Lithgow dies. Mm-hmm. Wow. He may have just been hobbled. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. So, yeah. Good point. My fault. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and the, glitches. you know, if you're interested in seeing this movie, I'm telling everyone right now, just see the first trailer because that kind of set everything up. The first up. trailer yeah. did a great job of like, oh, mm. wow, remaking. This could be an interesting remake. Yeah. This trailer, no, I'm good. Well, I yeah. appreciate it because I was never going to see it anyway. So yeah. now I feel like I've, <laughs> I've at least saved the time mm -hmm. to, For sure. to not watch mm -hmm. the movie, the horrible horror movie <laughs> about pets coming back to life. Oh, mm -hmm. I... Yeah, so you know you have about ten minutes of new footage to watch now. I think I, I would movie. rather go back and watch the one from the '80s because that I remember less of. Mm -hmm. I I won't I don't remember the outcome of that movie, whereas this one now I know the exact outcome of it. Right. So. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, by the way, the one from the '80s, not a great movie. No, so. not a great movie. <laughs> not a great movie. Um, so okay, so on DVD and Blu-ray now. Some of the Oscar movies are finally starting to come out uh, right before the awards. So Bohemian Rhapsody, Shoplifters, and At Eternity's Gate are all um, Oscar movies. But here's the thing, too. Um, for whatever reason, even if they are available, sometimes what the studios are doing are now only making them available for purchase. So you have to spend like $15 to watch one of these movies mm -hmm. instead of like a rental. So they're making it like, well, we'll make it more accessible. No, you're not. No, you're not. Not at $15 a pop. That's the kind of defeats the whole purpose of me renting them and watching them before the movies. Yeah, yeah. That's a fine, it's mm -hmm. a fine thing. I've done that. I right. like that. So then you got to wait like a couple uh, more weeks or whatever they do before then they actually give you the rental price, which is again short-term, nonsensical, old-school Hollywood thinking. Like, no, that's not what people want. That's not how we want to consume these movies. We don't necessarily need, you know, to watch it for free on Hulu or Netflix. We'll pay the five bucks to actually rent it and watch it, but I'm not going to pay 15. You have to give people now the ability to consume your content however they want right that's what you have to do if you mm -hmm. really you have to give them the option do you want to watch this i look at i look at smart models like uh i'm a i'm a cubs fan i like baseball i look at major league baseball how they and a lot of the sports leagues got wise to this let me consume so i can watch the cubs play on my phone 
on my laptop. I can watch it through my Apple TV. The games are um, archived. So like they played last night and I want, I didn't, I don't know the score and I just want to watch it. I can watch it. They have a five minute highlight of the game from last night. I get to watch if I did like, let me watch it. However, I want to watch it whenever I want to watch it. And when they do this shit, it's just like, well, that's the Cubs. It's the Dodgers is the opposite. The Dodgers, you can't even watch it locally. You have to subscribe to a cable station to watch it only. Right. And so, and if you have DirecTV, you're, you can't watch it either. And, and, and you must pay a certain amount of money. And it's, like, it's, it's horrible. As a and Dodger even if fan, you describe, any of you subscribe to Major League Baseball, the, the games are all blacked, blacked out. out. I, right. I worked my way around that. But yes, I, I subscribed <laughs> to Major League Baseball. And then I also had it, uh, I had this, this uh, uh, program you buy that disconnects your Apple TV or whatever the box you're using to from a location. It's called Unlocator. And so then you can uh. unlocate your box. And now I can watch Dodger Home Game. Now I'm paying a lot of money to do that. Mm. I'm paying a fee to Unlocator. I'm paying a fee to Major League Baseball. I'm paying a lot of money so I can watch the games that I feel like I deserve to watch. But I'm still somehow so you, a criminal. That's so a can, great point. So you can watch the games literally that are local. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that's a great point because... The only time I can't watch the Cubs is when they play the Dodgers once or twice a year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or Angels. Or Angels. Mm-hmm. Right. It's they- crazy. It's lunacy. And it's also driving, like, who, well, kids are growing up not seeing baseball because, you know, why? It's, it's ruining. Nonsensical business practices. Yeah. And it's all like, you're well, doing, if you. We're trying to grow our audience. Maybe the best way to do it is to make sure no one can watch it. And if <laughs> you do this, like, well, we're the only place you can get it, people will go, okay, I'll go do something else. Right. Yeah. I have 10,000 options now. Right. right. That's what most of my girlfriends have said to me. <laughs> this is where the place you can get this. And they yeah. go, yeah, well, we'll go someplace else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but now have we found out? Have like, they actually said I have 10,000 options? Yes. That yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, this $15 to buy it, I'm guessing that we don't know the, the market research on that. I'm guessing it mm. probably yields a lot of purchases mm-hmm. of that $15. Like I'm, I'm guessing it, it's unfair. Mm. It's not good, but it's, it might actually. That's be a valid profitable. point. They mm. might go, look, we, we drive up sales better if we do this. I f- find that hard. I don't know if people really want to see Bohemian Rhapsody, but wouldn't they have already seen it in the theater? Or, or you know, whatever. If, if you would have got a Chinese knockoff of it and want to see a lousy version of it, I'm sure that's <laughs> available to you too. Sure. If, you, if you're just sort of waiting around for it and you want to see it, and $15 is about the price of one ticket. Of a, in a theater and you're going to watch it for a bunch of times or at least watch it with a group you might say okay well that's it's fair enough for me but uh and the and the rental price the four dollars you have like 24 hours or something to yeah, see 48 it, and then it hours. Dis- yeah, yeah. disappears some people just may love Bohemian they may want to own it sure and, and, and want to own it but, but why not know. why not give somebody that choice right away well i want to own it i want to watch it whenever i want i'll buy it and then oh, okay well now i just want to rent it um you know why do i have to wait why are there i guess is there's windows? a lot more people willing to spend 15 dollars, even if they only want to see it one time uh the the first couple of weeks there must be must be yeah. mm-hmm. because i think of the people who are like i'd like to rent it but i, I i'll spend four but 15 forget it it's like going in a theater why why why, why see in a theater why don't you wait until it's rentable you know, whatever the five mm. months later to it was rentable at four dollars. Mm. Some people want to see it in the theater. That people mm. want to have that experience. Now I don't know if the fifteen dollar um making you buy it is gonna work with the next film, The Front Runner. So <laughs> Um, you know, we said this when this movie came out. I'm like, is this really relevant? You know, the Gary Hart story when we have all this crazy, the world is burning and it uh, doesn't matter. Talk and about uh, a candidate from the 80s that's yeah. been played by an Australian. Yeah, and it, it just, it didn't, 
it didn't resonate. People didn't right. care. People didn't go see it. So, uh, um, but if you're curious, it's on rental right now. Right. And then nobody's. Well, did you guys see Bohemian there. Rhapsody? I yeah. did. Did mm-hmm. you like it? I did like it. I did like yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Would you pay fifteen dollars to see it? I would not. It? Okay. No, well, there you go. no. There you go. I, but I would pay five. Okay. I would yeah. pay fifteen to see it in the theater because um, I thought it was a big. Yeah. Especially the concert scenes. Yeah. The concert. I would want to see that in a theater, but it's like if you're telling me. It's like, I'm not going to pay $15 to see an Avengers movie at home. Right. Mm-hmm. I'll pay it for the right, the big screen. Right. And, and it didn't bother you that they're historically inaccurate as well, the, the, the Bohemian Rhapsody? Um, it, it, was, it didn't because I knew there was... Uh, Just good Hollywood fun. Yeah, I knew there okay. was, there was sure. uh, yeah. the Hollywood uh, rewrites and polish. Yeah. It bothered me more that there was a, uh, um, a sexual predator directed half of it. So. <laughs> I, I, yeah. concur, I concur. Right. And then you're going to have to throw away about 90% of all Hollywood movies. Yeah. And just figure that out. Um, so, okay. And then uh, the last movie was Nobody's Fool, which is the uh, Tiffany Haddish uh, film. So we have to get her back on the show, too. We yeah, we haven't heard her on forever. Yeah. She's a little busy. <laughs> yeah, a little busy. Yeah, she's got a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she could find. I did time. text her last year to be on the F with that at that TV show I was directing, mm-hmm. and she responded and said, "Hey, thanks for thinking of me. I'm just too mm-hmm. busy right now." Mm-hmm. So I was like, "Well, we'll yeah. get, you know." Mm-hmm. So I'll reach out, and she's not going to be able to do it. Right, <laughs> that's understandable. <laughs> um, all right. I'm available, guys, all yeah. the time. <laughs> Anytime you need me, I'm available all the time. <laughs> so. Um, um, like when Jay and I go in and pitch shows and I say, hey, you know, we have four Emmys between us. Exactly. And then Jay just goes, well, you know, I have four Emmys. <laughs> yeah, still between us. Yeah, between yes. the two of us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um, so, uh, ladies say, we have four Emmys and a podcast You're between right. the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, on the site spotlight and the fan feedback, like we said, we're uh, we're getting the message boards go up and going. Please uh, check those out and uh, please participate. We want to get those discussions uh, up and running. And uh, you guys are slowly coming back. We appreciate nice that for sure. It. And um, like I said, we're going to be redoing some uh, Patreon stuff. So let us know if there's something we're missing or that you want uh, more content. We want to get more more of you guys into being members. So we're revamping that. Um, Valentine's Day is coming up. We're doing a special promotion. Uh, 30% off everything in the store, but only until Valentine's Day. So that goes... uh, That's just two days. It's a very kind of special secret flash sale. And uh, the code is IHEARTCFN. Spell out heart, I-H-E-A-R-T-C-F-N. And that will give you 30% off anything in the store. Yep. So it ends at midnight on the 14th. Yes. So, all right. We ship all over the world. Mm-hmm. We do indeed. And premiering this week, Alita Battle Angel. And this, you know, we, I, I got to tell you, it's weird. Like, you know, James Cameron is one of the most successful filmmakers of our time, by far, mm-hmm. box office. And uh, uh, even, you know, you could say innovative-wise he mm-hmm. is. And in between Terminator, Titanic, and Avatar movies, he picks some odd things. <laughs> And this is one of them, like Alita Battle Angel. It like it has this weird look to it, and it's it, it just feels like it was one of those movies that was sitting on a shelf for a while that they well, finally we've released. watched trailers for it for a year. They yeah, pushed back yeah. the release date, <laughs> so I just saw a trailer for it ahead of the movie. I, uh, I just when I went and saw Cold Pursuit, and I was like, man, I don't know. This could be. I want to. I want it to be cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say like most visually movies, it looks interesting. Most mm-hmm. movies that are pushed back. 
and back and back, well, that's trouble, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to James Cameron, that doesn't necessarily mean trouble. It may right. just mean that he I decided I want to yeah. do four more things. And, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I want yeah. to spend 40 mm-hmm. more million dollars. And everybody's mm-hmm. going, well, that's a, we don't want you to do James. I'm going mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Done. And that's We're, how it mm-hmm. happens. I want to so, shoot yeah. this scene at the bottom of the ocean. Exactly. All right. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I bet. As a I'm, pickup shot? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm willing to put down money that's good. All like, right. I have no nothing about it other mm-hmm. than James Cameron, and I've seen the posters, and mm-hmm. I'm just going to say that it's probably good. And it is a, uh, it, it, we will say this, it is a I, beloved IP. People love the IP. I know that nothing it's based about on. the IP. Yes. And I, uh, I'm uh, putting JK in a check mark next to yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to, I'm going to, we can put down uh, a bet between us. Yeah. And then I'll just take your word for it. If you decide it's good or bad, I will, I will pay you. Gentlemen, the we're all gentlemen here. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but I'm guessing it's, I'm going to think it's good too. I'm thinking. That's what All popped right. into my mind when I, because we've seen, I've seen, we've talked about it on the show numerous times. I've seen the trailer a dozen times in ahead of various movies. And when I saw it, I saw a cold, I, I went and saw a cold pursuit yesterday. Mm-hmm. And the highlight of cold pursuit was watching this trailer. <laughs> so I went, I kind of feel like you, Jay. Like I was like, all right, you know what? I think, I think it's going to have that uh, gonna... that camera and polish on the effects. I think it's going to visually, it's going to be stunning, but I think the movie is going to be bad. It might. I mean, a February release is also not a great sign. No, uh-uh. but again, you, you, but Jay, you bring up a good point about him. He can just say no. I want to do. I know, James. Yeah. It never works if you release that. Right. I, I don't care. Right. Yeah, I'm doing it this care. way. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I'm again. I have a little faith. So mm-hmm. I will see. All right. Yeah. All right. And uh, isn't it romantic? This is the parody of rom-coms. Um, looks like it could Rebel be Wilson. funny. You I, know, li- I like a pair at mm-hmm. the... The trailer looks funny. What's weird is like this whole release date and then Fighting With My Family, which is the um, the WWE movie about uh, the, this family who always wanted to be wrestlers and then got The Rock is in it. It's kind of like when he was at his heyday of being mm-hmm. a wrestler. I feel like all of these movies are coming out 20 years too late. <laughs> Like, yeah, we get it. Rom-coms are ridiculous and the gay best friend and all those things. I'm like, uh, but we, we've kind of moved beyond how ridiculous they are already. I don't I don't know if we need it pointed out. I don't know. Um, but, you know, uh, Stephen Merchant directs Fighting With My Family, who um, is a great comedian and writer from, mm-hmm. you know, he co-created The Office with uh, Ricky Gervais. Mm-hmm. He's in and, it. Uh, he's he's in, in it. Yeah, yeah, he plays one of the, uh, the dads. And uh, he actually, they met, they said at that... Remember that kids movie, The Tooth Fairy, mm-hmm, The Rock, sure. and it, which was actually a funny kids movie. Which was one of those movies you're like, well, there's no way this is going to be good or funny at all, and it was. It was a it was a funny, fun kids movie. So they got together and wanted to make this movie, and um, you know the trailer looks good and funny, and it, it it's um, I don't know. It, I feel like all of these movies could go either way. <laughs> like like we're seeing trailers, but we're not seeing like you know what these movies really are. I think. Um, so I don't know. I think uh, if I had to pick, Alita, Battle Angel, not good, isn't it romantic, will just feel like blah, and I think fighting with my family might be good. So that's, um, that's I'm going on three of them. I'm going to go uh, fighting with my family, probably the best one. And of course, Happy Death Day to you, a sequel to Happy Death Day. If you liked the first one, you're probably not listening to this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, and then you're, you will be going to see the second one. All right. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh there my. it is. That's it. Lock yeah, that's it laid out for you guys. Yeah, that's <laughs> your, your that's your movie roadmap. Your your <laughs> week is planned out. Yes. <laughs> Use the iHeart CFN for thirty percent mm-hmm. off, and then goes. Which one yeah, of these movies it. this week are you going to like see and really enjoy? Yeah, let us know. Let us know. So uh, so Jay, um, yes. where can people find you online? And I know you've got some things coming up, including you worked on. Uh, um, the new Zombieland movie, and Zombieland your, two. your son has a performance coming That up. is really what I'm most excited to talk about. My mm-hmm. son, uh, those of you who live in Los Angeles and are mm-hmm. around uh, February 24th, the weekend of February 24th, my son, who is a unbelievable singer, uh, and if you want to, his name is Charlie Cogan, uh, C-H-R-L-I-E, Charlie, and Cogan is K-O-G-E-N, and if you want to go to YouTube and just type in Charlie Cogan, Young Arts, why a uh, young arts, which is a foundation? You can see a video of him playing one of his songs that he'll be playing this coming February twenty fourth at the Mint. Oh, nice! Uh, the Mint's a great venue. The Mint's a great mm-hmm. venue. Uh, an afternoon show. It'll be very fun and very free and easy. And, and we're just family uh, friendly. Family friendly. <laughs> so come to the Mint, uh, and uh, you can buy your tickets at uh, uh, I think themintla.com, and uh, it's like twenty bucks a, a shot to mm-hmm. come. And then there's it costs more if you just show up at the door. But anyway. Come have a good time, enjoy this concert, and if you uh, is there a uh, a, um, a VIP ticket where you get a CD too? Uh, no, <laughs> no, you get Dana Gould merchandise. Yeah, if you do, you come, uh, which will be good. No, I mean uh, uh, I will uh, I will talk to anybody, any listener of the show who wants to come. I'll talk to them, tell them about Simpsons, mm-hmm. my yeah. the history of the Simpsons, uh, <laughs> Frasier, uh, mm-hmm. Zombieland Two. I'll give you away secrets that I can't say Ooh. here on the radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 but uh, no, you should you should definitely come to that. That's mm-hmm. that's the most exciting thing. We're trying to sort of uh, make sure that the house is full for this uh, this event, and it'll be great. Outstanding. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's very exciting. So what am I doing? I, so I, I, I helped rewrite on this Zombieland Two, which was going to be really fun. The guys who wrote Deadpool also oh, wrote nice. the first Zombieland, and also wrote mm-hmm. Zombieland Two. Really funny script, and a bunch of us t- punch up jokes, and it was just really fun. A fun couple of days, and uh, I, I loved it. I'm also writing a bunch of pilots, and I'm working on a pilot. Mm-hmm. With Chris here, yes. and, and mm-hmm. uh, 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 things that you guys uh, can't possibly know about or possibly care about because you don't know what it is. <laughs> but behind the scenes, man, TV is rocking. Yeah, <laughs> I, will, I will say this: that writing, selling comedies are no longer comedies. You have to sort of be selling dramas mm-hmm. and make them feel like comedies after you sell them. But nobody just wants to buy a straight up comedy anymore. Oh. People want to buy comedies uh, that have uh, uh, really dramatic elements to it, okay. make it feel gritty and edgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bleeding edge is a, a term you like to use. So yes. Chris is mm-hmm. a snowplow driver who's pushed past the brink. Oh, yes. beyond mm-hmm. the brink. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's a, <laughs> yeah. He starts off murdering on the snowplow and then goes from there. Goes, yeah. Then it, then it goes off the rails there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, and he's a snowplow driver in Florida. Wow. So. That's where he, that's what pushed him to yeah, the edge. Yeah. Is, yeah. There was like, nothing to I'm going to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> There's no snow here. Shut up. Yeah. One man. You and don't I, know. Yeah. And I also can be seen uh, uh, every three minutes at Disneyland uh, on the uh, Soarin' Over California ride. Yes. Uh, uh, or or Soarin' Over the World now. That. So, yeah. I'm in the pre-ride movie. Yeah, Jay's in the queue. I'm in the, the queue. movie. So, if you want to get a really good look at me, go to the pre-ride movie at the Soarin' Over California and you'll see me uh, mm-hmm. putting, taking my mouse ears off and looking mm-hmm. ashamed. Yes. Uh, every mm-hmm. few minutes. Now, I gotta that ask. Is how... worth a trip to, to, yeah, to just is. for that. How... 
was the director shooting and called you for a lot of like how how do you get a pre-ride cue that's movie? exactly it they directed my friend john trotletaub who i've known mm-hmm. for many years mm-hmm. uh a very good director and has directed uh, the while you were sleeping and uh, uh to treasure national treasure movies and mm-hmm. what have you um uh was directing working for disney they sort of forced him to do something for them and then he forced, <laughs> he forced me to come down and i my that's rule how hollywood works my rule mm-hmm. as an actor and i love acting and i've always loved acting is i will do anything you don't make me audition. I don't care how degrading, how demeaning. I will bring my own clothes. I will show up on time. I'll know my lines. I don't care what it is. It's like, you're going to blow this pig, and then they're going to shoot you in the head. Great. When can I be there? I love it. Yeah. I'll bring my own lunch. Exactly. I'll be fine. And I will be pleasant on the set, all that stuff. Just just give me the, the role. And so uh, John just said, you're going to be this. You're going to do something. on the. I didn't even know what it was. Just come on down. I came on down, and he asked me to be a guy who's uh, wearing uh, something on his head that needs to be taken off before the ride starts. And mm-hmm. looks ashamed. And looks yeah. ashamed. I love uh, your inner monologue. Yeah. 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 Well, I was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel terrible about it. I feel sad. I get a laugh. <laughs> I get a laugh. I do <laughs> say in the ride, I do get a laugh. And I've been to the ride and my uh, nieces and nephews try to make a big deal about it. Like, he's in the movie. And like, nobody cares. I Not just, a soul. I'm cares. amazed that John Turtletop directed this. <laughs> That's just directing these ride <laughs> safety videos. <laughs> well, if you work for a giant studio and yeah. they say you know we're paying you gazillions of dollars do this for us sometimes you know for you an know, afternoon you just go do it yep, absolutely mm-hmm. yeah. I'll do it mm-hmm. I yep. would love to do that and call my friends and go I'm going to need you to show up yes. and be a yeah mm-hmm. I would do it and I would absolutely do it you get it. an extra fast pass yeah so. <laughs> I'm in well if John Turtledub needs Chris or I to show up and be ashamed on something that he's directing I, I, will, I will find it. I don't know if he's doing it anymore now since he's working for, <laughs> he's been working for the Chinese on the Meg or something like that I don't know that uh, he needs Disney anymore yeah all right. Well, that's our show, guys. Uh, I'm headlining a bunch of clubs in uh, Chicago next week at all the different Zanies, uh, St. Charles downtown and Rosemont, uh, February 21st through March 2nd. And then, of course, uh, Ron Placone and I are doing the Progressive Comedy Tour March 10th through the 13th. We're going to Lafayette, Louisiana, Oxford, Mississippi, Pensacola, Florida, and New Orleans. Go to GrahamElwood.com for all the two dates. And uh, my graphic novel, Long Ago and Far Away, is available at the Comedy Film Nerd store and soon to be available digitally at uh, Starburns, uh, Dan Harmon's company, and uh, also Conversations from the Abyss. The second season is now dropping. You could hear Graham Elwood and Rick Overton do The Operative, which is about a president who talks to a political operative, and then it goes... Off the rails Which one's from the president? There. Which one's the president? Rick Overton. Okay. <laughs> right. I'm the creepy And uh, yeah. the, the new episode called My Friend will be dropping February 15th about a girl who talks to her imaginary friend and the imaginary friend may not be so imaginary. That stars uh, Michael Carnaccia as the imaginary friend and my daughter, Isabella, as the uh, the middle schooler. So, and that's uh, that's what we got going on right now. Thanks for uh, listening, everybody. Thank mm-hmm. you to Jay for showing up Thanks today. And thank you to Aaron Brungard and everybody over at All Things Comedy. My name is Graham Elwood. And I'm Chris Mancini. And as always, remember, Han Han shot shot first. first.